equal sign. Woo! DC Fandom. What an event. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, everything in between. Welcome back to the underground. Welcome to episode two of Pop Culture Underground. Unforgiving takes, passionate opinions on all things pop culture, news, media, and more. All right, guys, what an exciting eight hours of content we got yesterday. Finally, DC fed us. Somebody finally fed us some damn news and trailers, and boy, was it exciting. Guys, it felt like another Comic-Con day, and it felt so good, and I'd missed it so much, and it was just, it was extravagant. I think it was a huge, raging success. I think DC was so smart by doing this. I think they pulled it off beautifully. Almost every single panel had big news, big things announced, a lot of big names, a lot of charisma, a lot of passion. You just saw a lot of great stuff yesterday. And boy, let me tell you, I've got 10 pages of notes on it. I sat there for all eight hours and watched every minute of DC fandom. And when I say that, I mean every minute. Now, this episode will be solely featured on DC Fandom. We will not be covering every single panel, but we will be covering all of the big ones. Actually, here, I'll just tell you exactly what panels we're going to be covering. We are going to do it in the same order that DC Fandom did it. So, here is the order. We will start off with Wonder Woman 84, Wonder Woman 1984, excuse me, Gotham Knights, Multiverse 101, The Flash Panel, The Suicide Squad Panel, Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Boy, I'm excited for that one. Black Adam, Titans, Shazam, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. And we will finish it off with the Batman panel. And a little surprising news here. Good longtime friend and DC superfan Kyle Cole will be joining for the Batman panel and to give his very quick thoughts on the whole entire stream all right here on Pop Culture Underground, Episode 2, DC Fandom. All right, guys, let's get some quick show details out of the way. If you want to follow me, you can do so on Twitter at twitter.com slash at popcunderground. Check me out on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcunderground and send in an email to let me know how I'm doing, what you think the show could do better, what you think the show's doing good at, or if you just want an email read on air, whatever, send it to popcunderground at gmail.com. All right, no more fiddle-faddle. Let's just jump right into it. Let's hit up DC Weekly and DC Fandom. So, as I mentioned before, I thought DC Fandom was a huge, huge success. I think that everything went off without a hitch. They very smartly pre-recorded all panels, because I think if they would have tried to do this thing live, it would have been an entire mess. It just would have been disastrous. So it was very smart of them to record all the panels ahead of time. That way they could just have a continuous flow of information, panels, and everything. And it all went off without a hitch. Yeah, you had a few digital problems here, some static, some people cutting out a little bit here and there. But guys, that's just the that's just the new normal of this new uh, Zoom conference world that we're all living in. Uh, I mean, shit, I, people are probably going to start talking like that because that's just what they hear all the time. <laughs> Watch up. Hey, wh- 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 what's up, Ben? You know, <laughs> it's just a weird, weird world we're living in here, right? But I do feel like it went off without a hitch. And uh, it started off by entering the Hall of Heroes with digital people walking around, which was I thought was really cool. I thought that was a nice touch. 
made you really feel like you were in a fan dome, a comic con of sorts. I thought that was great. Uh, the stage, as they mentioned multiple times, was was drawn by Jim Lee himself, and he explained a lot of what he did. He tried to turn in the fa- he tried to turn the fandom into kind of like a the Justice League Watchtower, which I thought was really neat. Uh, and they had this really cool collage of DC Universe clips, everything Doom Patrol, the CW Arrowverse, the DCEU. They had all that stuff up there. It, it was just it was really nice. It was brilliant. It was awesome. It, it felt like something that we've been missing for a long, long time. So let's kick it off with the Wonder Woman 84 panel. Wonder Woman 1984, as you know, has been delayed and delayed and delayed. Movie should have already been out by now. Now it's supposed to be coming out in early October. They are still reiterating and really doubling down on a theatrical release. I, I just, I guess by October, maybe they could, I don't know. I still don't see it. I, I just, I just don't see it. But, but I, I could be totally wrong about this. So, you know, maybe they will pull it off. But they started off this panel with Patty Jenkins, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, and Pedro Pascal, and Gal Gadot. Uh, they pronounced it Gadot. That's something I've struggled with for years is how to pronounce your last name. People have said it's Godot. People have said it's Gadot. People have said it's Gadot. Uh, I've heard it all. I've, I've heard all of it. But they actually said Gadot. So that is what I'm going to go with from now on. And if you guys listen to my previous podcast, The Supercast, you know that I do have an issue with pronunciation. Sometimes I just... It, it just baffles me how they how they pronounce these names. But uh, hopefully we're getting that one right here. So they started off by taking questions from the fans. And I'm going to bring up a couple of those. One of the questions was, what inspired the style of the movie? And uh, Pedro Pascal discussed the power suits from the 80s that he was given and that he had to wear. He initially thought that he would look really silly at first wearing them, which I guess he kind of still does. But that, that was a cool little touch up on that. Venus Williams, tennis star, showed up and had some tennis questions for Wonder Woman and Cheetah, which was pretty cool. Another question which was asked was, what were the most memorable moments for them? And what gave me a nice little chuckle was Kristen Wiig had brought up how her wig had gotten stuck in a gal's suit. And they had <laughs> they just had a big laughing moment from that. Uh, Pedro also discussed how they shut down Pennsylvania Avenue to film, which is really cool. And then... Linda Carter, the original Wonder Woman, she joined, and oh my god, she still looks great! It's incredible! I mean, she's like Wonder Woman herself, she doesn't age. It's amazing, she looks great in her age. Uh, She did seem a little kind of lost, a little like she wasn't grasping everything necessarily, uh, you know, but once again, she is, you know, she's, she's up there, but man, she does not look like it. It's incredible. She talked about her daughter seeing Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman for the first time and how her daughter just kind of went to her and said, Mom, now I get it. Now I understand why everybody loved you and talks about you and Wonder Woman, and now I get it. And that was really cool, and that was really inspiring to hear Linda Carter, Wonder Woman herself, uh, talking about her daughter being inspired and saying, now I get it. And that was really, really cool. They also brought up some really great, diverse Wonder Woman cosplay. We saw a guy dressed up as Wonder Woman, which I thought was great, and kudos to that man right there for doing that. That that is, man, you have got to have you got to have some steel down there to uh, put your picture up there, you know, nationally, worldwide, worldwidely broadcasted DC fandom. Great job for him. Thank you so much. I think that was awesome. That was so cool to see all this cosplay. 
It is just awesome stuff. Some of it was really cool. Some of it was really unique takes. Some of it looked like movie version Wonder Woman herself. These cosplayers are absolutely knocking it out of the park nowadays. It's amazing what they do. And it's also amazing the spotlight that DC fandom really put on fans cosplay and fans artwork. And I thought that was really, really cool of them to do. Now, let's go ahead and head on over to the trailer. So we got a new trailer. Here's the first question I had when watching this trailer, and we're going to get into most of it, but does Maxwell Lord potentially create metahumans in the DCEU? I mean, you got to think about it. This is 1984, so this is before everything else we've seen. I think this is a very real possibility. It's starting to feel like maybe he gives everyone in the world one thing that they can have, anything that they want. And of course, Wonder Woman chose Chris Pine, of course, and we'll get into a little bit more of that later on down the road. But we start off with just some awesome Wonder Woman stuff. You got this huge island satellite there. The stuff back on Themyscira with young Wonder Woman was so great. Yet again, that actress is, she's awesome. She is great. She is the pinnacle young Wonder Woman. It is so cool seeing her and all of that stuff on Themyscira. I'm just glad that we're revisiting Themyscira once again. That That's awesome. That really excited me. Uh, when Wonder Woman was spinning her lasso to stop those bullets, that was really, really cool. Back to Maxwell Lord. When Maxwell Lord was on the screen here in the trailer, he was in the White House uh, on one or two occasions. What is up with that? Does he become the president? Was that maybe the one thing he wanted? I, I, I have no idea, but that's just sparking more questions and more debate about this. Maybe he, uh, you know, uses th that special rock and I cannot remember the damn name of the rock and i got way too much to go through right now to look it up but man maybe he uses his one wish and becomes president and then gives everybody else in the world a wish and that is how we initially get metahumans i, I don't know that that's the case but that is what a lot of people are asking are asking right now excuse me including me so that that's really intriguing very intriguing now in the middle of the trailer, and just in case you haven't noticed, I'm, I'm going to be jumping all over the trailer. I'm not going to break it down scene by scene. I'm not going to start front to back. I'm just going to talk about the main big points and the questions that are brought up from it, and that's how I like to do these things. So if you have not watched the trailer, you need to go check it out. It, it, it was great. What a great trailer to start off DC fandom, right? So when Cheetah does that little spinning move towards Wonder Woman, when she, I, I want to call her like phase two Cheetah. There was phase one when she's like, you know, just the, the nerdy, museum person and there's phase two where she's got like the cool jacket on her hair's all different you know she's all cheated up and then phase three which comes at the end of the trailer which was which was great and we'll get to that in a minute but when she does that cool spinning move i just got these awesome vibes of just you know mortal combat one versus one finish her you know i, I don't know it, it just it was great i loved seeing that that was really cool i think cheetah is really really going to present a great foe for Diana, and obviously she is her pinnacle villain in the comics, so it's really great to see her here, and I think Kristen Wiig is going to pull this off. I, I think a lot of people really wondered about her because she's a comedy actor, she's not necessarily a serious actor, though she has done serious things, but I, I really like her here. There, there was a lot of great one-liners from her in this, how, you know, talking about how her and other people, you know, they don't have anything, and Wonder Woman's got it all, now it's their turn, you kind of get some uh, Catwoman vibes from the Dark Knight Rises trailer, if you remember that. But a lot of great one-liners here that really gave me goosebumps and got me pumped up for this. So, you know what? Let's just jump right into it. That cheetah reveal at the end. 
here's the thing. I think Warner Brothers changed Cheetah. I think maybe she was different because it doesn't look like all the VFX are completely done on her yet. They should be because the movie was supposed to have already been out. So I think a lot of people got concerned that she was going to look a lot like a cat's character. And and she has to, right? I mean, she's a cheetah as a person. She's going to look like a cat, right? But I think they pulled it off. She looks very similar to Injustice 2 Cheetah, who I thought looked really great. And I think they pulled a lot of cues from that. I, I love that they continue, you know, they kept the long hair with her. I like her movements. That showdown that they tease uh, in the third act of her and Diana in the gold armor looks great. I'm so pumped up for that. I think the Cheetah reveal was great. I think it was worth the wait. I think they were very smart by doing it because they put all the cats rumors to bed. They got people excited for Cheetah. I think it was just the last little nail in this whole thing that they're building here that just gets everybody even more excited for Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman 84 trailer, and I'm still working on a good rating system that I want to keep here. And so, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pull the rating system from the Supercast. I'm just going to do it for now. So, if you do not know that rating system, if it is great and I think you should watch it, you should not miss it. What are you doing by not watching it? I give it a Jedi. If I think it's just okay, it is worth your time, but it's just okay. You could afford to miss it. I will give it a Padawan. And if it's terrible, god-awful, don't even waste your time with it. I will hate you if you do. I will give it an infamous Jar Jar. Now, that rating system will change later on. I'm going to have to come up with a new one because that one's just synonymous with the Supercast. But you know what? Let's get some nostalgia in here. And I'm going to Jedi this Wonder Woman 1984 trailer for sure. I'm going to Jedi the whole panel. And you know what? Later on, they did a, what they call it, Werewolf 1984. They did a little game at the end. And I thought that at the beginning it was a little boring, but it did get pretty exciting and pretty cool at the end. It, it was a nice little breather moment for everybody to kind of go get a snack, take a break, whatever you needed to do, and then come plant your butt right back down for that incredible Batman panel, which we will be ending this with. So, Wonder Woman 1984, I'm excited for the movie. I'm even more excited for the movie now. Uh, Parachute pants, guys! Parachute pants! Oh, man, I cannot wait for this movie! So, this next panel here was originally dubbed as just the Warner Brother Games Montreal panel. Because all we knew about this game to this point is that it was going to be featuring the Court of Owls. It was going to be made by Warner Brother Games Montreal. And we didn't know really much else about it other than it was a Batman game. I mean, we figured it would be Batman, right? Boy, were we wrong. Zachary Levi came on the DC Fandom digital stage to introduce us to Gotham Knights. This trailer was great. I want to start off by saying this game still needs some polish. It looks like the graphics were not totally complete. Looks like some of the gameplay was a little bit clunky, but I commend them for showing everything off that they did because they showed quite a bit. And I am very, very excited for this game. As you guys know, I'm a huge gamer. I love games like this. I am so excited for this one. They they just teased a great game coming up here, a great co-op game. And let's get a little bit more into that. So let's start off with the trailer here where we get a major explosion that kills Bruce Wayne. They go by saying Bruce Wayne is the one dead, not Batman. And then you get that awesome little encrypted video from Bruce himself explaining that, you know, the the trophy, if you're watching this, I'm dead, you know, and all that. But uh, it it was really cool. And it was it was actually a little bit heartfelt. And it looked like an older Bruce here. Robin Batgirl. Red Hood 
and Nightwing are taking over. That first shot of the Bat family of the Bat family on the rooftop looked great. Their unique abilities look great. I love the incorporation of the neon lights into the suits and the weapons. I think it makes for really cool trail work there, especially with the ray tracing that's going to be coming up with the new systems. That should look great. I love the unique abilities from them. I love the fact that you can switch on demand between characters. The Batgirl Bat Cycle looks so fun to drive around, and that Court of Owls tease at the very end. Oh man, did that get me excited. One thing I want to bring up here, when could Robin go invisible and teleport? I think they had to add some powers to him to make him a little more intriguing in this game. They actually did the same thing in the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League trailer with Boomerang, but we'll get more to that in that panel. Now, this game's going to be coming in 2021 from Warner Brothers Games Montreal. They explained that they wanted to take away the safety of Batman, and they really wanted to make it so you would get to groom these four characters yourself and mold your own type of hero. I think that's genius. I think that's genius. We've had a lot of Batman games. We've played as Batman a lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I will always take another Batman game. I will always revel in the chance to be Batman. Always, always, always. But I think this new unique take, both games they uh, they revealed today are very unique takes. And I love how they are shaking up the status quo here and go with something different. It's a big risk for them to announce, hey, we got a Batman game, but it doesn't have Batman. And who knows, maybe Batman does come up at the end, you know, hey, I, I had to act like I was dead so I could get the Court of Owls out here, y you know, and that could very well happen. In fact, I'm almost expecting it to happen, but kind of not because they really wanted to drive home that they wanted to take away the safety of Batman. And I think that's genius. I mean, think about it. Now you're going to be these four characters and you're going to be going into a Gotham that knows Batman's dead. Gotham's going to be running more rampant even than it already is. I mean, I can't even imagine a Gotham without a Batman, and neither can Batman. He always talks about that. But I, I can't imagine this. Th this is going to be great. I, I think these four rising up, the unique gameplay, the fighting style, the combat looked really good. I think it's going to be great. Let's go into the gameplay footage here. So we start with Batgirl, and actually she's kind of, you know, the main character that you follow around here. Now, when she's going through, the world around her looks very alive. And the only thing that I don't really like about it is it looks very one-track. Like, you are forced to go certain areas. Now, once again, the graphics need to be polished here. I think there were some major problems with some of the graphics here. Everything looked a little bit clunky. Everything looked a little bit, oh, maybe uh, fuzzy, maybe not the right word. But the game itself is a lot like the Arkham series. Very much so. And when Batgirl leaps off of her bat cycle onto the rooftop, that was really cool. Gave me some, uh, gave me some Arkham Knight vibes when you shoot out of the Batmobile and you can, you know, fly and soar from there. And it looks like Batgirl's going to be able to do the same thing. Robin going invisible is really neat. I think his teleportation skills are needed in this game. I think you had to add a little bit something to him to make him a little more appealing. I like all the costumes. I think all the costumes look look great especially Batgirl herself. I That purple and yellow costume is my all-time favorite costume. I've got an awesome DC Collectibles uh, Batgirl and Batcycle figure that I'm looking at right now that uh, is actually very reminiscent of this game. So they pulled a lot from that. Uh, I touched up on this a little bit already. The weapon trails, the lights, and, and the way that they use their weapons just looks really cool. I, I think the 
The tracing lights surrounding the characters are great. When Nightwing does his little spin move in the trailer, that was awesome. Robin's bow, you know, his bow staff is really cool. But the switching from the characters, uh, I think, is really important because it looks like each one of them have very unique abilities. And maybe you can use each one's unique abilities to fit the certain scenario that you're in in the game. So I want to drive home one more time that the fighting looks great. A little bit clunky, but they can clean that up. This game's coming next year. They got time. I think it looks great, guys. I I think it has a lot of potential. I think it also has potential to be a little bad. Uh, I I don't think that's going to happen. But one more thing here. They did tease, the creators of the game did tease that the Court of Owls are not going to be the only big mystery in this game. So who else could be? I don't know. We'll have to find out. I don't have enough time to spend on this panel. But the three consistent ideas that the creators talked about that they wanted to be the core of this game was the cast of the characters, the heroes who embodied the detective and combat sides of Batman without being Batman himself. These casts of characters that have the safety of Batman removed and have to now rise to the challenge themselves. The second point was they wanted a breathing and real Gotham that challenges you and really makes you think, and you, you the environment itself is an enemy against you. And the third core value that they wanted to drive home with this game is the co-op play online. They did confirm that you could co-op online with this game, and you can just rip it up together. That is really cool. If you have two people, you can choose which characters you want. They did say that you can play each one of these characters all throughout the game, and I think that's great. I think that's great. I think co-op, online co-op in particular, is huge nowadays. It always has been, but it's even bigger now. And I think that is a great point to drive home. So, guys, what did you think about this game? The Belfry! The Belfry is going to be the new Batcave. And if you've read any Bat Family comics, you know what the Belfry is. It's really been prominent in the most recent comics. Tim Drake is really the architect of the Belfry uh, in this current iteration of DC Comics. And he brings everything to it. I am curious because Bruce said that it has outdated technology. So what does that mean exactly? But they have all of Batman's files to access. So that's great. I think the Belfry is going to be big for this game. The creators even said it would be major for this game. And I think it's really exciting to kind of... You can use all the Batman mythos and all the Batman ideas with new characters. Just change it up a little bit. And I think that's really smart. I think that's a cool way to approach this, and I cannot wait to see how this game's going to turn out. All right, we got a lot more panels to get to, so let's head on to the next one. Multiverse 101. All right, Multiverse 101. When I first saw this, I was like, what is is this going to be? What is this going to be about? Uh, I just wasn't sure, but I was actually quite pleasantly surprised with what they brought here. So it was a panel with... DC Films boss Walter Hamada, Arrowverse side boss Greg Berlanti, and Comics side boss Jim Lee all talking about their each respective multiverses and how they all can blend together and what the possibilities are going forward for the comics, the TV, and the DC film side. So they talked a lot about Crisis on Earth X, uh, Greg Berlanti did, and he talked about how that is what they would want to watch themselves. And that's what got them started on these crossovers and how they chose what they wanted to do, that these are the things that they actually wanted to see themselves as fans. So that was really cool to hear. He also talked about how they never thought they'd be able to do this stuff. 
And me and Joe Prime and David on the old Supercast show used to talk about that all the time, about how when Arrow introduced the Suicide Squad, but then they were told, no, you got to shut that shit down because we got a Suicide Squad movie coming out. It looks like DC has finally moved past that. And Greg Berlanti talked about that himself. He said that he never understood why they couldn't use both characters in both instances because he always thought that he could differentiate the two. So if he could, why couldn't everybody else? And you know what? I think he's right. I used to question that a little bit, but I think we've, they, they've proven that people can differentiate two different flashes. I mean, shit, we got both of them on the same screen not too long ago. That was really cool. And, and to touch up on that before I forget, that little, what they talked about there actually confirmed that the movie Flash does get his name from the TV version Flash, and I think that is brilliant. I think that is an awesome bridging of the gap, and I think that was really cool of them to do. They, they also talked about how that Ezra Miller cameo in the Crisis on Infinite Earths, how that was extremely last minute. Like, like the, guy, the people who were filming it and everything only found out about it, like, not even a week before they had to film it. And uh, he talked about how when he called Ezra to see if he would do it, he said he would do it before he could even finish asking him. And that does sound a lot like Ezra Miller. Now, I do have some reservations about Ezra Miller, but I'm going to push those to the side and uh, see what he can do here going forward because there, there's a lot of exciting possibilities. Now, Greg Berlanti did say that because of the pandemic, their aspirations have gone down a lot on the next crossover, if we even get another crossover anytime soon. If you guys remember, they had to shut down the Flash production earlier and they couldn't even finish season six. So that's really unfortunate. Uh, you know, they talked about Red Death coming in the next season. They talked a little a little bit about that in the, the Flash TV panel, which I'm not going to cover here because I don't feel like there was enough information given there. Uh, and I'm not even caught up on it. I, the, the Arrowverse shows, man, they've really let me down recently, but maybe they can get things going again and get back up. Uh, I think Crisis on Infinite Earths was a bit of a letdown. The last episode was really good, but but the first two I just don't feel like the first two were really all that interesting. Uh, I feel like Crisis on Earth X and definitely Elseworlds were both better crossovers. In fact, I think Crisis on Earth X is the Justice League movie that we all wanted. That That's it right there. It's not it's not Justice League, you know, Joss Whedon's Justice League, Justice Frankenstein League, whatever you want to call it. it. It was that. I mean, Crisis on Earth X was awesome. I mean, we got multiverse stuff. We got hero versus dark hero of the same character. That was such a good crossover, and it's really sad to hear that the pandemic has really brought down aspirations on the future of crossovers, but it was expected to happen, and I think we will get some big things going forward. Now, Walter Hamada. Yeah, we got to hear from Walter Hamada. I mean, it's like one of the first times we've heard from the dude, and he actually seems pretty knowledgeable. He talks about how all the characters in one big multiverse is just the way that they're going to go with this. He talked about the Matt Reeves' Batman movie in its own world, the Joker movie in its own world, and how the multiverse is all one big world with little bubbles within, almost like little quarantine bubbles, right? No, not really, but I think that was neat. So just think of it as one big, huge multiverse, and then you got these little bubbles of like the Batman. You got a bubble of Joker. You got a bubble of Titans. You got an Arrowverse bubble. You know, Earth Prime, which is what they ended up calling it at the end of Crisis. So that's really neat. And I think the possibilities that they can draw from that are just, 
are just awesome. Cause think, cause with them doing it this way, it does not limit what they can do with those characters. So let's say Matt Reeves Batman movie is absolutely killer and it just kills it at the box office on streaming, whatever. And they really want to do more with him and another character that they have in another movie. Well, since this is all one giant multiverse, they can do that. And Greg Berlanti touched up on it too. He said that, you know, at the end of Crisis on, uh, on Infinite Earths, they talked about how the multiverse was no more and it was all just one Earth Prime now. Well, like I said, that is actually just one small bubble within a larger multiverse. So he did say the multiverse is still there. They all three confirmed that. They all three talked about that. These can still cross over. I mean, hell, if they really wanted to, they could bring Matt Reeves' Batman into the Arrowverse. Not they're never going to do that, but that's just an example of the possibilities that they can do here. And I think it's extremely exciting. I think it's awesome that DC is beating Marvel to the punch here with Flashpoint in the multiverse. And I think this is just such a good idea. Marvel could have done this, and I don't know why they didn't. I don't know why they were so adamant about splitting the TV and the movie side. I mean, I kind of get it. And now they're obviously, they're going their own way by doing their own TV shows on Disney+. Plus. But DC's beating beating them to the punch here. And I think it's great. And I don't think Warner Brothers and DC has a DCEU PR problem anymore. I think they did. They weren't sure exactly what they wanted to do. But now I think that they're just leaving it all open. And I think that is the best thing that they could do. And, you know, another thing they talked about was they don't want these crossovers to just be, you know, taken for granted. They don't want, they don't want one all the time. They're not just going to do it for the hell of it. They talked about how, yes, they will do crossovers and yes, they will do multiverse things, but only if it makes sense. Only if the story makes sense and you get the right director. And and that is so good to hear from them. Now, will they actually adhere to that? We're going to have to see because they have not in the past, but hopefully they have learned from their mistakes. And I think what they're doing going forward is brilliant. And I think they have a lot of potential and I think they've just done this in a very smart way. And I'm really, really glad I tuned in to this panel because it really answered a lot of questions for me. In fact, one of those questions that they answered for me was a question from a fan. And somebody asked, is there any Elseworlds movies that are being developed or explored? And Walter Hamada said yes. He said great stories are always the focus. That's the main focus. He he wants these things to not just be for the hell of it, like I mentioned before. But he said yes, there will be Elseworlds stories that they are exploring He did not give any indication of what that might be or anything else, but he did say they are exploring it. So more Elseworlds movies are probably coming. He actually, in particular, said Superman Red Sun was not in development, but he mentioned it multiple times. So I do think that they are looking at a way to do a Superman Red Sun movie, which if you ever listened to my previous podcast, you know I am totally up for. I thought the Superman Red Sun animated film was absolutely brilliant. So that's really, really cool to hear that from him. And he also mentions that everything they do funnels through Jim Lee. He kind of tells them, yes, this will work. This will work. No, this won't. Hopefully they'll actually start listening to him now. But uh, he also mentioned that the two flashes meeting in crisis and everything that we've seen so far is just the beginning of what they can do with this multiverse approach. All right. Speaking of the flash, let's head on over to the flash panel. Speeding on over to the Flash panel here. This Flash was actually really quick, just like the Flash. I guess they're trying to stay true to their name here. We did not get a lot. Uh, remember, this movie is very, 
very early in development. And we just got that huge news about Batfleck returning and Michael Keaton's Batman. I do want to note, though, real quick, Warner Brothers has not actually officially confirmed Michael Keaton's involvement. It's heavily implied. It's obviously happening. But they have not actually officially confirmed that. And I wonder why. I would think that this would be a good time to officially confirm that since their big news had already dropped the day or a couple days before. So that was kind of interesting to me. But uh, we did get Ezra Miller from Quarantine. We did get Christina Hodson, who's writing this movie, and Andy Muschietti, the director. And I believe I pronounced his name wrong in the last episode. Surprise, surprise. I think I called him Andy Muschietti, uh, which I think sounds better. But whatever. Andy Muschietti, director of this movie. They did not give a lot of weight here. In fact, the only thing they really did give away is the concept art of the new suit. And they also gave us a little tidbit of information by telling us that the suit will be built by Bruce Wayne. Now, the suit looks like it takes heavy inspiration from the current Flash suit and New 52 Flash suit, except with a lot more less prominent yellow gold lines. They really obviously want that Flash symbol to stick out. And this suit looks a lot more like a swimmer suit than it does uh, the Justice League Flash suit, which I, I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I am a big fan of the Faraday cage idea. And I'm a big fan that Barry built it himself. And I, I kind of, w- I hope that in this movie, it was a collaboration between Bruce Wayne and Barry Allen that built the new suit. Because I think that adds a lot of, uh, a, a lot of dignity, I want to say. Um, I think it just adds a lot to uh, Ezra Miller's Barry Flash, or uh, Barry Flash, uh, Barry Allen character. But the new, I, I do think they needed a new suit, and that was obviously just this kind of prototype suit. And, and if you remember back when Zack Snyder was still doing the Justice League movie, he had actually mentioned that that was not going to be Barry's main suit, that he would have another suit by the end of the movie, and that suit obviously never came. Now, may, maybe it will come in the Snyder cut, because clearly they cut a ton of Flash stuff out of that movie, and... Oh, I just cannot wait to talk about that Snyder Cut reveal in the trailer and everything. I, I'm I'm so giddy to get into that one. But uh, back to the Flash here. Uh, Bruce Wayne. Now, which Bruce Wayne built it? Because if you look at the concept art, the, the one where the Flash is front and center and you got Batman behind him, it's clear that the, bat, that the Batman cowl there is the long pointy ears, which would indicate that it's Michael Keaton's Batman. I, I don't know if that's the case because I theorized before that in the Flash movie, we will start off with Barry Allen and Bruce Wayne being a, a team and that Bruce is kind of training Barry to try to kind of redeem Bruce's past. He's going to try to make a new hero, maybe even to carry on his legacy. In fact, Paul Hart on the Pop Culture Underground Facebook page had mentioned how, so is this going to be our Tony Stark and uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man of the DCEU? Yes, Paul, it really does look that way. Uh, and I think that's fine because that continues off from Justice League. I thought they had incredible chemistry in that movie. And remember, I mentioned this in the last episode, uh, Bruce even taught Barry, just save one. And then, you know, you save another one and another one. And you don't look at it as trying to save everybody. And the Flash really grew into that role. I think he had a much bigger arc than we saw that we will see in the Justice League Snyder Cut, I believe. But I, I actually like that aspect of it because them two played off together so well. And, you know, Muschietti talks about or talked about how both of their parents, you know, died, you know, were, were murdered. And that kind of connects them two. And I think that's going to be a huge plot point between Ben Affleck's Batman and 
Ezra Miller's Barry Allen, because obviously something happens to where Barry, you know, feels that it's necessary to go back and change time. I don't think it's just going to be simply because he gets the ability to do so. Uh, but we will have to see. But that is what I'm theorizing here. And I think he's going to go back in time, change things. And then when he comes back, I think Michael Keaton's Batman is going to be the one there and not Bruce Wayne. Or excuse me, not Ben Affleck's Batman. Now, Muschietti didn't actually say this, but I believe that they're going to use this movie. And the rumors are the rumors behind the scenes at Warner Brothers and that Grace Randolph has talked about is that this movie will just flat out erase Ben Affleck's Batman, and that he will make a sacrifice of some kind. So once again, another Tony Stark-like element there, right? But that's fine. That's fine because I think it works. I think it is the well-deserved goodbye that Ben Affleck gets and that he should get. And I think it's awesome that he's coming back for this. Uh, The other rumors that Grace Randolph talked about was that uh, Ben Affleck agreed to do this because it would be the well-deserved goodbye that that character really should get. And that's the reason why he went ahead and signed up for it. But I do think he he is very enthused to do it. Uh, Muschietti talked about how all the Flash producers were very surprised by Ben Affleck's enthusiasm to do the project. So that's really cool. So that is all I got for the Flash panel, and I'm very excited to see more from this movie. So let's hit on the next one. All right, guys, this was one of, if not my absolute favorite panel from the entire DC fandom. I don't know that I can pick a favorite. I mean, there's so many. It's definitely a tie between the Snyder Cut, the Batman trailer, and the Suicide Squad. I, If I was not extremely pumped for this movie before all of this, I am now. I mean, shit, guys, this is my favorite movie that I have never seen. I mean, I, I cannot... I, I can't even explain to you my excitement for this movie. I mean, shit... Let's just get right into it. I, I can't contain my excitement here. James Gunn, he he started off this panel and he brought the whole cast with him, which was really cool. It's a huge cast. It's a stellar cast. I, I am just blown away by what this movie's turning out to be. Now, one of the questions that he was asked in the beginning was what character was he most excited to write? And I think he said this before, but he did say Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn was definitely his biggest character that he was mostly excited to write about. And and that's no surprise there at all. He was also asked about what Suicide Squad comics that he had read or what inspiration for this movie is going to pull from. And he talked uh, extensively about the initial Suicide Squad run and reiterated it. And he also reiterated that adapting that and doing this movie was the funnest time he has ever had directing. And that's almost like an insult to the Guardians cast, right? Because that movie looked like a ton of fun. But if you look at Guardians, those characters, and this has been mentioned many times, those characters were nothing before that movie. Nobody knew who they were. Nobody knew who Rocket Raccoon was. Nobody knew who Gamora was. Of course, us diehard comic fans knew But your general audience had no idea. Now, look at what he has done for those characters, and look at what Guardians has done for the MCU. I mean, it's done major things. I think he is going to do the exact same thing for these characters and the DCEU as a whole. If you remember, he's supposed to have a larger hand, a larger part in the entire DC multiverse. So that's also very exciting to think about going forward. I just... I, man, the little bits that we got of what Weasel, 
oh my god, it just gives you Rocket Raccoon vibes, but like a dirtier, trashier, you know, F you up more Rocket Raccoon style with that weasel. And of course, Sean Gunn's playing that character. And I, what they brought, they did not bring a trailer, but he finally did reveal who everyone is playing. And I have got that list for you right here. So, here we go. And by the way, as we mentioned before, I am terrible with pronunciation of names, so I am not going to try to pronounce all of these names. I do not want to disrespect these actors, so I'm just going to give you a list of all the characters being played, and I will pronounce the ones that I know how to pronounce, uh, but if you want the full list, obviously you can get that online. It is everywhere now. But here we go. Viola Davis is reprising her role as Amanda Waller. Joel Kinnaman is reprising his role as Colonel Rick Flagg. Michael Rooker is playing Savant. Flula Borg is playing Javelin. Margot Robbie is playing Harley Quinn. And the rest of the characters that were revealed here, some of them were already revealed beforehand, but I'm going to go through them anyway. Polka Dot Man. Ratcatcher 2. That was really cool. Bloodsport. Idris Elba playing Bloodsport. It is not Vigilante. It is Bloodsport. That is one of my most anticipated, most exciting characters I cannot wait to see because I love, love Idris Elba. I love his work, and I am so excited to see what he can do here. King Shark, Mongol, Peter Capaldi playing the Thinker. That is so cool. I cannot wait. I I think he is perfectly cast as the Thinker, and I cannot wait to see the Thinker in action and what he can do. Solsoria. Black Guard by Pete Davidson. Nathan Fillion is playing TDK, who we believe is kind of an offshoot of Arms Fall Off Man, if you know who that is. Uh, because on that little character logo they gave, both his arms are cut off. This 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 stuff is just insane. Sean Gunn playing Weasel. Jai Courtney reprising his role of Captain Boomerang. And John Cena playing the Peacemaker, who he describes in the behind-the-scenes video we'll get to in a second as a douchey Captain America. I mean, who who else could you have cast as a better douchebag Captain America than John Cena? I mean, th- this is just great. I love that none of these names are household names besides a few like Harley Quinn. I love that he is bringing these C, D, even E, and F-list characters. I mean, he has dug deep into the DC catalog here. And Jim Lee talked about that a little bit too during DC Fandom. But I, I, this is so genius. I think this is so cool. I, I be, And they may have even talked about this before, but I believe that this huge cast of characters is Task Force X. They're just going to, as the movie goes on, they're going to switch them out. And they will probably bring in which, uh, which heroes or villains or characters, whatever you want to call them. They're probably going to pick and choose which ones for each mission. You know, like if they need a mission where someone needs to, you know, grab a bomb and go do something, you'll probably bring in TDK, who can chop his arms off, you know, with that. So, you know, stuff like that. You know, if you need to do something underwater, King Shark's going to be on that, you know, iteration of it. I think we're going to see many different iterations of Task Force X in this movie, and I think James Gunn is just going to bring the house down with this. The -the behind-the-scenes video he showed was absolutely great. It was just so great. And another thing he revealed is that he legitimately thought about putting Batmite in this movie. That would have been so funny. So funny. But I think he uh, opted with Weasel instead. I, I, My guess is that he was kind of trying to figure out which one he did. Warner Brothers maybe even told him he couldn't do Batmite, but I don't think that's the case. 
Because James Gunn has reiterated over and over that Warner Brothers, the execs, the producers, they have nothing to do with this film. It is all his choice. He's doing what he wants. It will be his cut. He is not influenced by any of the higher-ups. And that is so good to hear because obviously I do not believe James Gunn would have signed on to do this otherwise. So, guys, go check out that list of characters and who's playing who because I do not want to disrespect names here. But let's get to this cool behind-the-scenes video. This video showed a lot. I mean, John Cena talking, Margot Robbie talking. We had a lot of reveals of Harley Quinn and her new outfit. She's got the goggles. She's got the cool leather jacket. Looks like we got some Injustice inspiration there. I think she looks neat. I think uh, Grace Randolph talked about how maybe she doesn't look crazy enough. Uh, maybe she looks like she's more of a leader. And I actually think that's okay because Harley Quinn is a leader of the Suicide Squad in recent comics. When she took over in the New 52 comics, uh, people were mad about that because it spotlighted her and, you know, kind of put all the other uh, Suicide Squad members to the sideline. But they ended up being okay with it because the stories were so compelling. So I do not want to see Harley Quinn take over this movie. We've seen enough of Harley Quinn. I want to see these other characters shine. But in my opinion, I think about half of these characters are going to be killed off. I mean, I don't see how you could do it any other way. If they're not, I would be extremely, extremely surprised. So James Gunn continued in that behind-the-scenes video to talk about how it is the biggest movie he's ever made, which is very surprising considering the both... Guardians movies he made were massive movies, especially that second one. Massive CGI, massive sets, massive cast, massive everything. So the fact that this movie is even bigger than that, that's incredible to hear. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. That behind-the-scenes video, I need to let it speak for itself. You guys have got to go watch it. There is some cool, st awesome action sequences Western vibes everywhere. I mean, this is clearly going to be an action Western mix-up. He is taking heavy inspiration from Western movies. Uh, he talked extensively about his inspirations for the movie. And I don't know what else to say other than, like I said before, it is my favorite movie that I have never seen. I mean, I, I can't even explain to you how excited I am for The Suicide Squad. And also, another thing I want to point out, he has successfully taken away the view of the previous movie and focused it solely on this one. In my opinion, that movie never even happened, and it looks like that's the way they're going to treat it as well. So I am so excited for this. Oh, I cannot wait. Let's move on. Alright, this next panel was a surprise at DC Fandom, and it's a surprise to you guys too, because I did not name it in the panels that I was going to be talking about this episode, and I did that on purpose. Uh, this one, there was not a whole lot revealed, but this was one of the most interesting, interesting, intriguing panels that I watched. I had no idea what it was going to be. What it ended up being was a surprise Milestone Comics panel. Milestone Comics. Outstanding. I have not read a ton from them, but what I have read, I loved. And if you remember, it was a group and they talk about this extensively in this panel, about how a group of these individuals got together. And it's it's a lot like the image story, how they wanted to leave and start their own publishing company. And they successfully did so. And they actually came together at a hall at a Comic Con years ago. Think about how cool that is. I don't want to do any disservice to this panel. You guys just need to go watch it for yourselves. I, I promise you, you will not, you will not be disappointed but the main reason why I wanted to bring this up 
was because House Party Director Reginald Hudlin spilled the beans that a static shock feature film is in the works. They are, it's not in development. It's not being made yet. It's not confirmed or anything. It hasn't been greenlit, but they are talking about it. And this is literally the perfect time to put out a static shock feature film. With the social injustice going on, with everything else, with the emergence of Black Lightning and how great that show is, I don't think you could pick a better time to make a static shock movie. A static shock movie that reflects the times that we are sadly still living in. That movie, or, or sorry, that animated show was so grounded. Man, if they could bring this movie to the forefront and get a feature film of Static Shock out, you would give so many people a new hero to look up to. And I think it is so needed right now. This is such exciting news for me. For me, shit, for a lot of people. When I posted this thing on Twitter, I got so many retweets and so many retweets and so many likes about it. And the thing is, a lot of big outlets aren't announcing it because it's just in talks. Some of them are, but he did say that they are in talks about a feature film. He also said that a new animated series or, or animated film, sorry, is in the works as well. So that would be cool. And they are also starting a digital first comic coming out next year of Static Shock. And Milestone Comics is also going to be republishing their entire backlog. That is so awesome. I cannot wait to read more Milestone comics. I, I really can't. I really can't. But that is all I got for that surprise panel. Let's move on to one of the biggest ones, if not the biggest one, if not the most anticipated one. Let's head on over to Zack Snyder's Justice League panel. All right. This is a big one, guys. This one had me jumping out of my seat, running around the room. Justice League, the Snyder Cut. A lot of people said it would never happen. I thought it would never happen. My old co-host really thought it would never happen. They didn't even want it. But oh my God, was I wrong. Oh my God, were we all wrong. The fans spoke. The fans rose up. They organized. That's a very important thing here, in my opinion. They got organized. They had a goal and boy, did they reach it. Warner Brothers had no choice. They had to do this. And they probably wanted to do it. Once they saw how much interest was in this thing that even I was surprised of, they had to jump on it. I think this is so brilliant. I think Zack Snyder is so deserving of this. Because in our, in our last podcast, there's a lot of Zack Snyder stuff that I don't like. There's a lot of Zack Snyder stuff I do like. Watchmen? I think is one of the best movies he's ever made. Sucker Punch, not so much, even though it's got some exciting stuff in it. But 300, I'm a big fan of 300. Man of Steel, I am a huge fan of Man of Steel. I love the Man of Steel movie. BVS, the director cut, the ultimate cut, whatever you want to call it. I love that one. I think that movie was just so drawn out and so complex that a lot of people just didn't understand it. But man, there was a lot of great stuff in BVS. I just watched it again the other day. Loved it. I really, I really did. I would not give it a top rating. I wouldn't say it's a Jedi, but it's definitely no Jar Jar. It's definitely at least a three out of five stars for sure. I mean, I think it's a, I really think it's a brilliant movie. I don't like the Martha stuff. I don't like a lot of stuff. But at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, 
Zack Snyder is one of the best, if not the best, visual storyteller out there. I have said it for years. If we could just get a director combination of like Zack Snyder and somebody like Matt Reeves, where Zack Snyder could do all the visuals and do all the cryptography and all the imagery and all the stuff that he is so great for, combine that with a great storyteller, because Zack Snyder maybe isn't the best storyteller, but if you could combine him with somebody like Matt Reeves, man, I think you could have a film for the making. I mean, I I am just kill- I I really hope they do that. I hope they pair him up with somebody and put him on one of these upcoming DCEU movies. I think that would be so fantastic. But I am so happy for Zack Snyder, and I am so happy for all the fans who worked tirelessly, effortlessly, shamelessly to get this thing done. I mean, a lot of the Snyder Cut people were just savage. I mean, they were. They were just mean. But you know what? They got it done. They got the dirt on themselves, and they got it done. We got it. It's real. It is coming. It is going to be in four one-hour parts. Four hours. Also, I want to add in here real quick. I was watching Grace Randolph talk about this. I love Grace Randolph, by the way. I think she is great. I was watching Grace Randolph, and she mentioned that at the end of each part of these one-hour parts, there's going to be something little special to make it a whole night of entertainment. What does that mean? I have no idea. I I really, I, I have no clue. But if this thing is as big as I think it's going to be, I think Zack Snyder has a future on HBO Max, if not more. So let's go ahead and get into this thing. Ben Affleck made an appearance, which just made me so happy. I was so happy to see him again. And Zack Snyder, of course, was asked a lot of questions. And one of the questions he was asked, which he's been asked before, is what character was he most excited to flesh out? Cyborg. He talks about how Cyborg, in his cut, and he said this many times before, is the heart of the movie. Cyborg was just obliterated in the Justice League cut. I mean, he, all of his, almost all of his stuff was cut out. In the trailer coming up here, when you see the part where he's shooting that beam into the mother box and his father is in there, I, I got sad just from seeing that one scene. And Grace Randolph talked about that too. She did too. That one scene in that trailer brought more emotion to us than his entire part in the Joss Whedon Justice League. And that is a goddamn shame. That is a shame. So he talks about how he was most excited to flesh out Cyborg Cyborg because he is the heart of this movie. And he mentioned it many times before when he was still on the movie that Cyborg and The Flash were like buddies and they were the hearts of this film. And I think we see a little bit of that in the trailer that he ended up showing. Now, he also confirms that we will see way more of The Flash, which was very evident in the trailer he showed. And his cut... We will see a lot more of The Flash, and we will see Flash's emotional arc come to fruition. Thank God, because I think we need it, especially with The Flash movie coming out. I think that is desperately needed for that character in the movie universe. Uh, Zack Snyder also said that we will see something never seen before with The Flash. Something with his movement. I will get to more of that in the trailer part. Now... Another cool thing that Zack Snyder did in this panel was he took calls from some of the most important people involved with making the Snyder Cut happen and how it snowballed and how it actually came to fruition and how the fans ultimately made this happen. It was all the work of the fans. I thought him taking those calls and him asking them questions 
was a really cool nod and a really cool way to show that he understands that without them, this would have never been. That without them, he would have just been forgotten as a DCEU director. But with them and their work and what they did, I commend them and I thank them. Because man, this trailer that we saw clearly proves that there is so much more of the Justice League movie that we did not see. That there is so much more to Zack Snyder as a filmmaker and so much more to Justice League as a whole. The trailer proved to me that they absolutely destroyed his vision. And we already knew that. We already suspected that. But this makes it clear to me. And I almost wonder if Warner Brothers is sitting there like, oh no, by letting this thing happen and letting this trailer come out, boy, do we look stupid. And do they ever? Why in the hell would they cut out the black suit Superman stuff? The simple black suit Superman clip that came out a few weeks back blew up online, on Twitter. Look, the Warner Brothers execs, they do not know what the hell they're doing. Zack Snyder and Jim Lee, they do. They know what these fans want. Warner Brothers has no clue, and they just need to get their goddamn hands out of these movies and let these directors drive these films like they originally said that they were going to do. When the DCEU first started, Warner Brothers made it clear that it was going to be a director-driven universe. Bullshit! That was such bullshit, and excuse my veracity here, but man, it irks me because what happened with the DCU in the beginning should have never happened. At the very least, they should have at least let Zack Snyder finish out his story and his everything he was working towards because what they did with Justice League is a shame. And I gave it a fair review back on the Supercast. I wish I could take that back. Like I said last episode, the more I watch it, the more I hate it. And let me tell you why. I don't even need to tell you why. Just go watch the Snyder Cut trailer and you will see exactly what they did to this movie. My God. Now, before we get into this trailer, one thing I'm wondering is, was this stuff already all on the table or did they allow Zack to go in and add more? I don't know. I I think maybe he... Obviously, he couldn't have gone back and done too much more because they're all working from home. But I wonder if there was... He talked about the assembly cut being over five hours long, right? And, by the way, Scott Mendelson, I cannot believe you commented on a leaked trailer before it came out on DC Fandom. That is so unprofessional. You also called it an assembly cut and said it was the same exact movie that the Joss Whedon Justice League was. Boy, how stupid do you look now? That guy should be ashamed of his of himself because this is clearly not just an assembly cut. So Zack Snyder went out and said that the assembly cut was over five hours long. So was all this stuff already there that was pretty much mostly done that they had just cut from the movie altogether? If that's the case, if they cut all that just to get it under two hours and to make it more funny, I can't even tell you how irritated that makes me and how irritated that makes the Snyder Cut fans because this trailer clearly shows that there was so much more badass stuff going on with this movie that we never even got a hint of. And boy, that is disappointing. But at least we are getting it now. And actually, this may be a better thing than it would have originally been. Because if he would have had his way and got his movie out, it probably still would have been close to three hours. 
But I don't think we would have we would have been getting all four hours like we're getting now. So maybe that can be the silver lining here. But it's time to move on to this amazing, incredible Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut trailer. Man, this whole entire trailer was better than the entire Justice League movie combined. I am not even, I am not over-exaggerating. I am not being dramatic. I am dead serious when I say that. This whole trailer was better than the whole movie combined or any part of that movie. Guys, I think this was the best trailer in the whole DC fandom. And the Batman gives it a run for its money. But I think this is the one right here. This is the trailer that made me jump out of my couch. When when it starts off and you see Darkseid at the very beginning and his eyes are lit up red and he looks like a Frank Miller drawing, that was so awesome. Uh, that right right off the bat when I saw him and him slam that axe down, man did I jump out of my seat and run around just the fact that we're getting Darkseid. How in God's name did Warner Brothers cut Darkseid out of that movie? He is the pinnacle Justice League villain. And I just, I don't understand. If you had this, how did you cut it out? What the hell were you doing? I, I mean, God, he looks great. I think he looks great. I think his face maybe looks a little cartoonish, but that's fine because it looks, like I said a lot, like a Frank Miller dark side. I love the Omega symbol on the chest. I love how Steppenwolf looked just all armored up. I think armored up Steppenwolf looked way better than the Steppenwolf we got at the end of this movie. We got to see Desaad in the, uh, I want to call it the Megatron hood. He looked a lot like Megatron from the Transformer movies when he walks around with that cloth hood over his head. That's what it reminded me of. But uh, we got Desaad. So he is in this too. So another thing that they took out, the Flash scenes look great. They look full of heart. And how, uh, here, once again, how do you cut Iris West out? Even if it was just a little tidbit at the end, how do you cut that out? How do you not, you know, relish on the opportunity to set up your Flash movie? You know, I mean, I just, when I see this stuff, I just don't understand how we didn't get it before. I mean, it, look at all this extra stuff. This is not going to be just a director's cut of Justice League. This is going to be a whole nother movie. A whole nother movie. I mean, Black Suit Superman showing up was awesome. And at the end, when they're standing on that wall there, he's even in his black suit then, it looks like. I mean, why change that? They don't know anything. They, they, they don't. They just don't know anything at all. I, I just don't get it. I, I just don't get it. And I would love to break this trailer down more, but we do not have a lot of time. We are already at an hour. And uh, usually I keep these episodes at 30 to 45 minutes, but not this one. If you haven't already figured out, this one's going to be much longer. Guys, I am absolutely ecstatic for the Snyder Cut. You know, when it was first announced, I was like, eh, it's never going to happen. I was like, it would be cool to see, but I wasn't super thrilled for it. But then Zack started releasing more and more, and it just built up anticipation. And now with this trailer, I am sold. I am in. Give me the Snyder Cut. Let's go, baby. Let's go. All right, unfortunately, I got to end this panel right there and move on. But man, bo oh, wait, 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 wait. How can I not mention the end scene there where ba what Batman said at the end there 
was the greatest line, was better than any line he had in the entire Justice League movie. How do you cut that out? They, you know, they never fought us, not us united. It, it gave me chills. Just that little addition uh, on the end completely changed that scene. And that goes to show how small little minor details can totally change a movie and totally change a scene. And it's never been more evident than in this case right here. Boy, I cannot wait for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, man. All right. Unfortunately, but fortunately, we got to move on to the next panel. Black Adam. Okay, so with this Black Adam panel, I I'm not going to lie. I was a little let down with all of the hyping up that The Rock did for this and the things that he said he was going to bring and they really didn't bring a lot. I, I'm really surprised that this movie's not further along production, I, at least with casting. I mean, they only have one other guy cast, really, that you know, that matters in this movie other than The Rock. I, I'm kind of shocked by that. Then again, The Rock is a very busy guy, and he's going to have a big hand in this movie. So he's probably trying to oversee all the casting and all of that, and he probably just can't do it with how busy he is. But, man, he better free up some time because we are all salivating for this one now. So, they revealed the new logo, which I think is great. Ties in with the Shazam logo. I, I think it was a perfect choice. I think it looks good. And concept art by Boss Logic and Jim Lee. Boy, is it cool to see Boss Logic's name mentioned here by The Rock at DC Fandom. Boss Logic is one of the greatest art rendering artists that I, I've, I've seen out there. I mean, his fan posters are the best. They are the best of the best. So, it's really cool to see him get the help with the concept art in this Black Adam movie. Now, we start off with The Rock giving us a history and origin on Black Adam and Kandok, or Kondok, excuse me, uh, how he was imprisoned by Kondok 5,000 years ago after he had showed up to quote-unquote, quote-unquote, help them. Uh, you know, he talks about how they needed a hero, but what they got was him and that they ended up imprisoning him 5,000 years ago. Uh, but then somehow he gets out, you know, I'm sure we'll find out a lot more about that. But he talks a bit about Black Adam's origins. He also talked about how powerful Black Adam is because Black Adam does not have restraint. Uh, he, he does not hold back at all. So in a way, that could make him more powerful than Superman. He's probably the biggest foe for Superman being he's magical. Superman's weakness is obviously kryptonite, but also magic. And he's also got the same power as Superman. What I mean by that is strength and, you know, the ability to fly and everything else that he has. So that's really cool. Speaking of Superman, he all but confirmed that Superman is going to be trying to get into this movie. Uh, he said that Black Adam and Superman could be friends or not. All but implying Superman could be in the movie that they're probably trying to get him to be in it. I don't think Henry Cavill is quite worked out. Uh, his deal with Warner Brothers in the future of him being Superman, if he is going to be Superman. Uh, he, he's currently filming The Witcher, the second season of that, so I'm sure when he's done with that, they will resume talks and see what we can get going there. But obviously, The Rock was trying to lay some groundwork here and get us excited for Superman potentially showing up in his movie. Uh, which I think would be really cool as long as he's not in it a ton, because like this is Black Adam's movie, and with this other announcement that they had here, uh, we're going to have a lot of characters to be watching. So Noah Centineo showed up, who is uh, playing Adam Smasher. So he showed up to tease his appearance as Adam Smasher, and he talked about his training on the tarmac, which The Rock really liked. Uh, the Rock then said 
that they were introducing the JSA while talking with Noah and Centennial. Now, we already pretty much knew that the JSA, the Justice Society of America, was going to be part of this. Uh, however, here he only referred to them as the Justice Society. So maybe they're going to be taking away the America part since, you know, Kandok is, or Kondok is on the other side of the world, or, you know, it's a fictional place, but, you know, that way you can get the whole world involved here. He then went on to drop this really cool concept art animated video that showed us that Hawkman is for sure going to be in it. Dr. Fate is for sure going to be in it. One of my all time favorites. I love the Dr. Fate story with the helmet and how when you put it on, you get imprisoned inside and he takes over and he is so powerful. And all he cares about is, you know, making sure that the world is balanced. And I, I love Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate, he confirmed Cyclone and of course, Adam Smasher goes on to say they call themselves the Justice Society and then dropped a really cool line, which I like. Truth, justice, and the Black Adam way. Black Adam versus the Justice Society coming up. Man, I cannot wait for this movie. Just the fact that The Rock is in it is going to be so cool. But now that I know that the JSA is going to be fighting him and Superman may come into the fold here, this could be epic. Now, I was a little let down that they didn't have anything else for us since this thing has been in production for so long, but it's still the very early stages. I know I'm happy with what we got and I'm just happy Dr. Fate's going to be in this bad boy. So that was it for the Black Adam panel. Let's move on to a very quick Titans panel review. All right. So these next two panels are going to go by very quickly. Panel reviews, I should say, because there wasn't a whole lot revealed uh, in each one of them. Starting with this Titans one here, before I get into this panel review, I want to say that I love Titans. I think it is one of the best DC shows to date, especially season one. I think season two had a bit of a sophomore slump and tried to fit way too much into one season. Uh, I did love the Deathstroke stuff. thought it was great. Uh, I think Connor Kent was cast perfectly and Crypto was really good. But I think they just had too much stuff going on at once, and they tried to tone it down a little bit without really toning it down. They also did some retconning in Season 2, which kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. But what they revealed here uh, with Season 3 coming up is they finally revealed what me and the special guest that's coming on here soon, Kyle, uh, had pretty much suspected and called was that Red Hood will be the villain in Season 3. If you remember at the end of Season 2, without too many spoilers here, uh, all I'm going to say is Jason Todd left the team very upset and feeling like they owed him a lot. So the fact that he would then progress into Red Hood makes a lot of sense. And I love that they're going to make him the villain in Season 3. They also mentioned a new take on Dr. Jonathan Crane, Scarecrow. That should be cool to see. And then they dropped Commissioner Barbara Gordon. So it used to be Batman and Jim Gordon. Now the new two roles are Nightwing, because remember, we got Nightwing coming up here. Nightwing and Commissioner Barbara Gordon. So that's really cool. However, I am a little concerned that maybe they're trying to fit too much into another season once again. But hopefully they learn their mistakes from the previous season, which there weren't many of. But man, that first season was absolutely stellar. And I loved what they did with it. And I hope they bring a lot of that back for inspiration of Season 3. I'm extremely excited to see their take on Red Hood. I love Jason Todd in the Titan series. I think he's one of the best characters. I, I think he was maybe one, he was one of, if not the best, uh, character to show up in Season 1. 
I, I just love the lines where he's talking about, you know, we're supposed to be the distraction, and then the bat drops down to trash ass. You know, that was just a great line. He is such an interesting, chaotic character that brings a lot to that show. And to turn him into the villain, I think is genius. I think it's great. And boy, I cannot wait to see Nightwing versus Red Hood. I'm also very interested to see this new take on Scarecrow. I mean, we've seen a couple. You know, the Gotham take was terrible, in my opinion. Uh, He was really good in the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. So hopefully they can do that again and maybe take some inspiration from that. But they talked about how it'll be a new take on him, something we have not seen before. So that's really cool. They also talked about going to Gotham for season three and also implied that Blackfire, Starfire's sister, evil sister, will be taking over Wayne Manor. And and that's the part that kind of concerns me. So you're going to have Blackfire as a main main villain. You're going to have Red Hood as the main villain. You're going to have Scarecrow in here as well. And then probably, you know, a little other few villains sprinkled throughout. I just hope it's not too much again. But man, I'm excited. Very excited to see our first live-action Red Hood. They already gave us our first live-action Nightwing, Dick Grayson. Or Nightwing, I guess, not Dick Grayson. We got a Dick Grayson previously, even though I don't really want to talk about that one. But uh, they did a really good job with the Nightwing, Dick Grayson character here. They did really good with Jason Todd and his Robin. So it only bodes for them to do well with Red Hood as well. I cannot wait. That is it for the Titans panel. This next panel I'm going to go to is the Shazam panel, and it's just one thing. This was the most let-down panel of the entire night. I don't even know why they added it in. I think it was kind of dumb. The banter between them was kind of funny, but, oh, hell, let's just get into it. All right, very quick Shazam panel review here. One of the biggest let-down panels of the whole night. But they did reveal the title of the next movie. And that title will be Shazam! Theory of the Gods. I think it's a cool title. I think they can do some cool things with it. You know, I'm still really hoping that Mr. Mind is a huge villain here because I'm so excited to see that in live action. That would be so cool. And I loved the end credits tease they had of him. And they'll probably even bring uh, Savannah back in some kind of way. But Shazam! Theory of the Gods, that is all they gave us. That is all I got. So we are now going to move on from that one. Now, for one of the best panels, one of the best trailers of the entire night, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. They revealed the title, they revealed a quick little teaser, a little, uh, not a teaser, but like a poster of it. Uh, They revealed very little, but then at this panel, they revealed it all. Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League will be coming to us from Rocksteady, will be a great game, it's, it's already looking to be like a great game, and Rocksteady are the creators of the Arkham series, and they clearly make that very clear at the beginning of this trailer. They were not messing around with that. Now, I need to watch this trailer again and again and again, because this trailer was beautiful. It was so gorgeous. The graphics blew away the Gotham Knights graphics from earlier in the stream. The quippy banter on the rooftop between Harley Quinn, King Shark, Captain Boomerang, and Deadshot was just great. And did I say the graphics were great? The graphics were incredible. I would love to see that little cutscene that we saw as a movie. I mean, shit, they were showing up James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I mean, man, it was great. I don't like the Harley Quinn voice. I like the way that that character, that voice actor is playing Harley Quinn. I, I just... 
I cannot get behind the voice of her. But other than that, Deadshot looks like maybe the funnest character to play. You got Captain Boomerang zooming around. I I don't understand this. So he throws his boomerang and then he's got like a blue streak where he flies over and then catches it afterwards. I'm not sure about that. Did he steal the Flash's powers? I mean, what is going on here? I'll be interested to see more about that. But I think this is another case where they needed to add a little something to the character to make him funner to play. And if that's what you got to do to make him more fun to play, I am totally fine by this. Now, when they first announced that they were going to be killing or fighting the Justice League, a lot of us were wondering, how is this going to happen? And a ton of people speculated that it was not Superman that they were going to be fighting. It was Bizarro. I did not believe this for a second. When they talk about kill the Justice League, they're talking about the entire Justice League. And Bizarro is not a part of that. And I think it just wouldn't be as appealing or intriguing to face Bizarro. I think an evil infected Superman is a much better foe for them. I love what they talked about. I love the end where Boomerang's like, you know, who are we, you know, who are we killing now? And they all point up to Superman and, he, you know, they, he ends with, oh, flag, and then they cut off. I thought that was brilliant. Uh, Brainiac ship. We saw a Brainiac ship at the beginning. I don't know for sure that that's what that is, but man, it looks very much like a Brainiac ship. So is he the one who has taken over Metropolis and turned the Justice League against Task Force X, a.k.a. the Suicide Squad? I don't know. What we do know is that Amanda Waller wants Task Force X to kill the Justice League. And there's clearly a good reason behind that. How can the Suicide Squad even take on the Justice League? Well, the gameplay makes it pretty evident that all of them are very powerful. The Harley gameplay looked great. And I did not think that you could get that good of gameplay out of the Harley Quinn character. So maybe she's powered up a little bit. Not so sure. But Harley does call herself the leader here, which calls back to the James Gunn Suicide Squad, where Harley looks like she may be the leader of that crew. I'm telling you, Harley is the new leader of the Suicide Squad in today's age. That could be good, that could be bad, I don't know, but I like it here. Uh, I, I think she looks like a great character, besides the voice. She's really excited to kill Batman, which, you know, just calls back to her character. That's really cool. Uh, this is a... Con the, the game creators did confirm that this game is a continuation of the Arkham games. And it will also see Arkham plots that were never wrapped up in the previous games come to fruition here. That's really cool. I think that's really smart. They also talked about how this game will be a hybrid of hero empowerment and awesome gameplay. Or sorry, awesome gunplay. That really got me excited. First-person shooters and open-world games are two of my favorites. This is also an open-world game. They did talk about that. So that they combined the superpower aspect, the gunplay aspect, and the open-world aspect. This is my number one most anticipated game to come. Even more so than Gotham Knights. Even more so than the new Call of Duty. Even more so than all of the next-gen titles. This one right here is what's looking like it's going to be a very special game. The creators also went on to talk about how more skill is going to be required to play these squad members uh, than Arkham Batman, th than the skill required to play him. So it just shows that this game maybe is more complex. Uh, maybe you got to evolve a little bit more. The traversal moves they talked about, Deadshot can do really cool field dumps and set enemies on fire. I mean, Boomerang's traversal that we talked about a little bit ago, uh, all that traversal stuff, Deadshot's jetpack really has me intrigued. I love a good jetpack. I love flying around in games, and I think it's really cool 
that even though we're not going to get to play as Superman, it doesn't look like you can still get to play a character that flies around and also shoots. And that actually could maybe even be more fun. So when you think about it, you've got King Shark, who's almost like a Hulk, who's just big and bulky and just all that blood on him in the beginning was so cool. So to be able to be a character that eats people and just uses brute force to beat people up and then switch over to Boomerang, you know, where you're throwing boomerangs and you're flying around to switch over to Harley Quinn, where you're just doing all types of things. And then to Deadshot, who I think I'm most excited to play as, to be able to fly around with a jetpack, use his arm guns, all of that stuff just looks so much fun. This game will be set in Metropolis, and like I said, it will be an open world. They also went on to say this will be the most detailed Metropolis we have ever seen. So that is really cool to hear. This will be another one to four player co-op game. Once again, driving home that online co-op. You can play how you want to, however. They mentioned that you can play this in single player or co-op and you will get just as much fun out of either way. So play how you want to play it, which is how most games are going nowadays. They said the whole game will be accessible through single player and multiplayer. So it won't be different. It will be the same thing. You can just do it either way. Multiplayer, I'm sure, will add another aspect to it. Single player will probably will probably be just as fun as well. They also mentioned that you can play as any character at any point in the game. That is so cool. This game is looking to be like something special. The graphics in this game, the gameplay, everything looked better than the than the uh, Gotham Knights game. But you got to remember, it's a bigger, better studio making this one. Warner Brother Games Montreal is kind of a smaller studio in the in the large aspect of things. Rocksteady is proven and true and I was just excited to get another Rocksteady superhero game. The fact that it's this, that they have now turned everything on its head. They've done it with both games they revealed here. I think they're they're risking doing this. They're risking a lot, and I love to see that. I love to see risks taken. I love to see tropes mixed up. I love to see the status quo thrown out the window, because that is usually when we get really interesting, unique, special games and movies, too. So... Boy, I'm going to charge or charge or not charge on this one. Boy, am I, am I going to Jedi the hell out of that trailer? All of that was just absolutely awesome. And now I understand why they put that one as the last panel before the Batman. So here we go. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get Kyle Cole on the line here. And we are going to talk about the Batman reveal. Break! Guys, please welcome longtime friend and DC superfan Kyle Cole to the show for the very first time. What is up, Kyle? Not much. What about you, Jordan? Oh, not too much. Just doing this new podcast venture here, Pop Culture Underground. Hey, Kyle Kyle helped me choose the name. I sent him a couple names, and uh, he picked this one. He said this one sounded the best, and I, I agreed. <laughs> I agreed. And it's funny because... Then I was like, oh, I'm going to take some time and make this logo. and But I ended up making the logo in like 30 minutes. And I, I, I think it turned out pretty good. And I think I'm just going to stick with this one. Yeah. So, man, a DC fandom. I mean, how much of a success did you think this thing was? Oh, God, I didn't even watch the whole thing. But 
just the parts that I saw, like I was telling you when we were watching it, that some of the trailers and footage that they showed on them just had the inner fan in me just... I actually even looked over at my girlfriend. I'm like, just pull, hold my arm out extra. I'm like, look. She's like, what? And I was just getting goosebumps from uh, some of the trailers and footage. Yeah, and really quickly, I want to point out, I apologize for the sound quality. We are doing this over Skype. It was the only way to get this done. And as you know, Skype calls can be kind of iffy. So if you hate that and that makes you uh, dip out a podcast, I guess I will see you later. All right. <laughs> so. I went through all the panels that I did, and I did sit through all eight hours of that stream. Uh, It was a long day. I took ten pages of notes. My fingers were killing me at the end. It, it it, It was kind of brutal, but the fact that almost every panel had really good information, had something big, really made it all worth it. And I was saying this at the beginning of the episode, I feel like it was another Comic Con type day, something we have not had in a long time, and I think the brilliance of it, of DC doing it, was very smart. I don't know why Marvel didn't do the, or isn't planning or anything of the same thing. I mean, they should do the same thing. I feel like, here's the thing, like, this is the new normal. Like, we're not going to have any cons anytime soon. We're not going to have any of that anytime soon. It's going to, it's going to be a while. So, I feel like they need to do something because we have not had much information from Marvel at all. But what do you know? DC beat them to it. DC actually beat them at something for a change. And (laughs) I think DC's got a really good outlook going here. So what we're going to talk about here is the Batman panel. But real quickly, before we get into that, I just reviewed the Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League panel. How do you feel about that game? Oh, just like all the other uh, trailers and that, as soon as I saw them say something about a game, and right at the beginning there, they show Brainiac's ship. It says creators of Arkham series. I knew right away what it was. And I'm just sitting in my recliner in the living room, bouncing up and down, just like I did when I saw uh, Flash show up in uh, Batman vs. Superman in the theaters. Just got all excited because seeing all the news about the Suicide game, was it a week or two ago, if that? then. They already yeah. have a trailer out for it. And just, you know, see fingers walking around on a ledge and you know right away who that is messing around. Well, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they've been working on this game for three or four years. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was the next project they jumped right into after Arkham Knight was done. Uh, and that yeah. was years ago. It's hard to believe, but that was years ago. So... The fact that, you know, this is what they chose to do was very interesting, very intriguing, you know, flipping everything on its head, playing as the Suicide Squad against the Justice League. I I don't think anybody could have seen that coming. And, uh, you know, when they when they got the domain name for the website, Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League, they kind of leaked it there and revealed, you know, what the game was going to be then. But I, Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think even. Any of us could have imagined it would have looked this good because it looks like it's done. I mean, it, it, well, at least what they showed us. What they showed us yeah. looked polished, clean. The graphics were incredible. It looked like a next-gen game. And I, I, I'm just so excited to, to do that and or to play that game and see that come to fruition. And, and I cannot wait to jump in and play as Harley Quinn, Deadshot, King Shark, and uh, the Flash slash Captain Boomerang, <laughs> the blue—we'll call him the Blue Streak, or what do they what do they call uh, Clark on Smallville? The Blur, 
All right, the the blue blur. We'll call him Captain Blue yeah. Blur. I don't know. It was kind of it was kind of weird to me that they did that. But they, like I said earlier, they probably just had to add, you know, some some new aspect to him to make him more playable. But uh, with, with all that said, we're going to talk about the Batman panel. A lot of people think that this was the best panel yet. And when they first came on the screen, the score that's playing, that I assume is the score for the movie, that really, oh, it, dark, edgy Batman music that they've got playing in the background, it, it, I really like that. Now, I want to preface this panel by saying I had a lot uh, a lot of doubt about this movie when Robert Pattinson was cast as Batman. I was like, what are they doing? But then I went back and, and looked more at Robert Pattinson's, Robert Pattinson's work. And the guy, Matt Reeves said it himself. He's a chameleon. The guy can do anything. Uh, he, oh, yeah. he's, in, he's an insanely talented actor. He's the one that first came on the screen to introduce us to the panel. And I was a little surprised at how low toned he was. He seemed like really unenthusiastic and kind of talked real quietly. But he did say that he was re- he could not wait to get back to filming, which I guess what else is he going to say? But but even through his monotone, low voice, I could still sense that enthusiasm that he has for this role and what he can do with it going forward. So we jump right into Matt Reeves. The first thing I want to point out is I loved the way Matt Reeves talked about Batman. You could hear the enthusiasm come out of his voice. You can hear the tones of what he's trying to bring to Batman. And mostly what he talked about was how different his Batman's going to be. How different it's going to be from every other Batman we've seen before it. I will say I did get some Christopher Nolan vibes from the trailer, which we'll get into. But he then went on to talk about how in the film... Batman's work that he's been doing is not having the effect on Gotham that he had intended. And he did confirm that we are in year two. He said it's about one and a half years into Batman's career. And that he that Batman himself is very human, very flawed, really struggling with that dark side of himself. He then went on to talk about how this Gotham is going to have extreme corruption, which every Gotham does. But he talks about how that corruption uh, even goes back to Batman's family and how Batman's family is a part of this whole big story. And judging by the trailer, it appear that it would appear that Paul Dono's Riddler uh, is maybe the main villain here. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I remember a while back uh, hearing reports that that was possibly what was going to be happening. Uh, that she was going to be the the main villain, and uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin was just going to be a setup for future films, and Catwoman, I think, the same. If she doesn't end up teaming up with him at some point in this one, but I was not expecting the look that they were going to give of who I think is the Riddler there at the beginning of the trailer with the tape. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the Riddler, and that. I don't know if that'll be his outfit going forward, but Matt Reeves did talk about how this Riddler uh, will be extremely different than any other Riddler we've ever seen. It'll be a new version of him, uh, which I think is cool. And he went on to applaud Paul Dono and how, how you know, what he's done with this character. And when I first heard the casting of Paul Dono as the Riddler, uh, I was extremely thrilled. I mean, I think this guy could be the perfect Riddler his acting style lends itself to the Riddler character. 
And I thought all the casting was great. The only casting that I was concerned about was Robert Pattinson himself. Uh, but I feel like he, he did put a little bit of that to bed in the trailer here. I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit more about what Matt Reeves said before jumping into the trailer. Uh, he did say that, that Paul Dono's Riddler and Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman would both be versions we've never seen. He went on to talk about how Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman isn't even Catwoman yet. Uh, she's kind of becoming that character. He said that this is not a Batman origin, but it is an origin for Batman's rogues gallery. I mean, he even went on to say the Penguin doesn't like being called the Penguin. You know, which kind of mm-hmm. takes you back to, you know, the Gotham show about how that Penguin hated being called the Penguin in the beginning. But then he yeah. embraced it. But yeah. he he also said that the stars themselves had input in the costumes that the characters wore. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, the year two of Batman thing is great. You know, we've seen beginning Batman with Batman Begins. We've seen later on Batman with Ben Affleck. So I think a Batman that's in year two is a good idea. And I think it lends itself to what Matt Reeves wants to do. Uh, Matt Reeves did really hit home that he wanted this story to be a story that could really happen in real life. So I think that goes to show that none of this, none of these rogues gallery characters are going to have any powers of any kind, which is totally fine for a Batman film. But what really got me excited is. Man, he talked about how this Batman movie is going to be a detective story at its heart. And that is what us Bat fans have wanted for a very long time, is a straight-up detective Batman movie. And we're definitely getting that here. I mean, it's very clear that the Riddler is hunting the Batman and laying out a detective story for the Batman to solve and complete. I mean, I thought that was really cool. He talked about how the uh, history of corruption in Gotham is a huge plot point. He talked about Gotham Square, how it was shot in Liverpool to give it that gothic architecture. I thought that was great. He talked about how in year two of Batman here that the citizens perceive Batman as a dangerous person, not yet a symbol of hope. He's more of a legend. Some people don't even know if he's real. But he, he also put it in the context that think about it as if somebody in real life, in your city, showed up and started beating criminals to a pulp in a bat costume, what you would think. And that's how he approached this Batman movie. And I thought that was really cool to give it that realism. So, I mean, do do you like all that stuff that he talked about? Oh, yeah, definitely. I I liked how uh, he was giving it a comparison to uh, the Zodiac movies and the Zodiac Killer. Especially with that, especially with uh, the card that they find on the first body. Uh, yes. Uh, how it has the little symbols right at the bottom. Oh yeah. And I wonder if they're they're gonna have a scene where he's trying to decode that, uh, going through like is it ancient sim- symbols or something? Is it something that he devised himself? Um, j- just the little things like that is showing that it is gonna be more of a detective movie. And uh, him walking into the room with the cops, that was a little unexpected, especially since it's his second year. I would think that the cops would still be a little bit on him trying to capture him and uh, whatnot. Well, they clear. Well, they clearly are. I mean, actually, to touch up on that part of the trailer, I know we haven't jumped into it yet, but we'll just go ahead and do that. When, when you're seeing Gordon walk through that hallway with all those cops, they are clearly looking behind Gordon. And they clearly have a look of discern and maybe even disgust on their face. I think Gordon is going against the grain here, and this might be the first time he's ever brought Batman into a crime scene. 
and that all the other cops do not agree with it and they do not like Batman. And that's made very clear later on in the trailer where you have 30 or more cops jumping Batman, which was yeah, great. In the cell. Yes. Yeah, so that that also lends itself to what Matt Reeves was talking about, how the public perceives Batman in a negative way, which, of course, you would very early on. You haven't seen what Batman can really do. And also when he talked about, you know, Batman's effect not having the effect Batman wants it to have on the city and how that's going to frustrate Batman. He even talks about how Batman, he's going to fail. He's going to make mistakes. I mean, that's great. I think that's great because yeah. no bat. I mean, Batman, even in the comics, makes mistakes. Not a lot, but he does. And you would think he especially would in his first few years as Batman, right? Mm-hmm. So, all right, we're going to go ahead and jump onto this trailer here. Now, remember... He mentioned, Matt Reeves mentioned, that only 25 to 30% of this movie has been filmed. So the fact that this trailer comes from just 25 to 30% of the movie really surprises me just how much that they put together, how well it looked, and just the little bits we got from a quarter of the movie. Because I gotta tell you, Kyle, I loved this trailer. The only thing about this trailer that I did not like is Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne. I, and, and I watched Grace Randolph's review, and she was saying the same thing. I don't feel as strongly about it as she does. I think I need to see how he acts and why he looks the way he does. Uh, because, you know, she talked about how he's he looks like a terrible Bruce Wayne. But if this is a Bruce Wayne in his first couple years of being Batman, and he's really struggling with the dark side of himself, and Matt Reeves said before that Bruce Wayne is actually the mask that Batman wears... I think it might make a little more sense, and I think we need to see a little bit more of that play out. But if we're just judging it from that look, he really does not look like Bruce Wayne. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you really didn't get to see him much as Bruce Wayne, really. That as well, yeah. Really, the only time you saw him as Bruce Wayne is the incident with the car. All the other times is Batman, but without the mask. And I I like how they're showing... It looks like he actually puts the eye black on because when he takes it off, you see how, how he has like a raccoon shadowy eyes. Yeah, it it's very clear here. And Matt Reeves talked about it himself. It's very clear here that Batman has created everything he has. It's not Lucius Fox doing it. It's not someone. It's him doing it all on his own. The suit he made by himself, the Batmobile he made by himself, you know, and the suit is practical. It, you know, if you look at the, the cowl and the mask, it's really thick. And it, you can really tell it's, you know, it's armored up to be taking hits. But it doesn't look like, you know, super advanced technology, you know, really thin armor or anything. It looks like things that he's just kind of put together to make. Yeah. And that's very evident in his suit and the Batmobile as well. The Batmobile is just a mod. looks like it's just a modified car that he went out and bought and then, you know, you know, tweaked on and modified himself over the time. Mm-hmm. So that was really neat. So let's go into the trailer here. In the very beginning, what I I thought was Velcro was actually tape, uh, where he, you know, the Riddler is wrapping this tape around. I'm going to call, I'm pretty sure that's the Riddler. So we're just going to call it that. As he's wrapping, right. As he's wrapping this tape around this guy and the music that's playing is uh, Nirvana's Something in the Way, which is really cool, which kind of, you know, underlines the whole movie where Batman's trying to have this effect on the city, but the Riddler is just something in the way. So that was really cool. So this, I'm pretty sure this is the Riddler, because I was reading Den of Geek, and they talk, they, they actually straight out say that this is a Riddler reveal right away. And, I, I mean, we're pretty sure this is him. Obviously, it's not official, 
but the, the retro-obsessed villain isn't really known for wearing a full face mask with glasses over it, so this is definitely yeah. something new, right? Yeah, it does look like he is wearing a green jacket, so that could be some kind of nod. Well, and if that's all it is, I'm fine with that, because it's really not about the villain's appearance, it's about what the, no. the villain does. And all throughout the trailer, the Riddler is telling Batman, you know, you are not who you say you are. You're actually a part of this. You know, he's basically telling Batman that your family was corrupted. And I'm going to show you exactly how. And I'm going to show you why you are not what you claim to be. And I think that's great. I think that's great. The, the trailer is definitely setting up the, the Riddler as the main villain here. I mean, I think I'm solidly sold on that, for sure. I mean, he's a killer obsessed with getting to the Batman by leaving behind corpses and messages from the Dark Knight at his crime scenes. Exactly what we see here in the trailer. So I think that's really cool. Uh, we, we got some Joker vibes to this, almost, in a way. Kind of like a, a real gritty, uh, not super colorful, kind of in a more Victorian setting. I mean, did you kind of get that vibe? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like that, how they're not going for like a real comic booky look. The most comic book looking thing in this is Batman wearing a theatrical looking outfit as to where what uh, the Riddler's wearing looks a little bit more like what someone in real life, some psychopathic killer would be wearing. Not, not the bright green bowler hat with the cane with the question mark on it all gaudy and all that right well there's another there's a there's a shot still in the beginning of the trailer and when you when you get batman walking into that room with all the cops i I thought that was really great but there was a blink and you'll miss it shot of a framed newspaper at the crime scene that gives fans of the dark knight and the long halloween a nice Easter egg to mull over. So we already knew that John Turturro, who I love, I love John Turturro. I thought he was so good in The Night Of and other things. Great actor. He was set to play crime boss Carmine Falcone in the movie. But now we know that his comrade in crime, Salvatore Moroni, also exists in this universe and has been busted for transporting drugs at some point before the start yeah. of the movie. So was Moroni one of Batman's early targets? Guess we'll find out. But there's a nice little Easter egg to the long Halloween with the uh, with the newspaper frame up there. So that was cool. Now, we got our best look yet at the top half of the new bat suit. It's basically a suit of armor, although the cowl and cape do seem to be made of leather. Except I think his mask and head uh, has some kind of armor or some kind of hard plastic to it, it looks like. Because it looks like it's uh, pronounced a lot more, like a lot thicker than the rest of the suit. Uh, ex- you know, besides the armor plates, you know, on his breast and, yeah. and stomach and all that. Yeah, it, look, it, it looks like as it uh, goes up the, his neck and gets to the bottom of the cap- collar, it almost looks like there is some kind of harder armored plating or something in the entire top of the cowl for maybe like a, just a helmet or to help prevent getting hit in the head or shot in the head maybe even like in uh ben affleck's batman how he he has the metal plate inside of his cowl well and even later in the trailer he takes a shot to the chest which was cool so it shows that he can he can easily withstand uh gunshots but he also has a collar which is a really neat departure from the usual suits you know that we've seen uh i i wasn't sure i liked it at first but i i think it, it i think it's a nice little departure from everything yeah, there, there's a lot of people I, I was seeing that, oh, this is good, great costume, just, but the uh, collar ruins it all for me, which 
I actually kind of like it. It actually looks pretty good with this. Like, if they threw the collar on Affleck's Batman or Bale's Batman, that just might, it wouldn't really look well. No, but it fits with this one. Yeah. It fits with the practicality of it all. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not my favorite bat suit I've ever seen. Okay, Ben Affleck's Batman bat suit is my favorite one. Oh, the the BVS one. Not the Justice League one, the BVS one. That is my yeah. quintessential bat suit, in my opinion. But uh, this one is not terrible. It's not bad. It's not great. I do think it's good. The The main thing about it is it makes sense for this Batman. And I think that's the most important part of all of it. It's got to make sense, right? Mm-hmm. So the beginning of the trailer, as we talked about a little bit, also confirms that by year two of Batman's career, he's already on good terms with Gordon. Maybe not the GCPD, though. Maybe not the GCPD. So I'm also going to guess that the Batman's version of Commissioner Loeb, because it doesn't it doesn't seem like Gordon's the commissioner yet. Now, since the movie is getting a GCPD-centric spinoff on HBO Max, I think they're maybe setting that up here with Commissioner Loeb and the corruption inside the police force. And Matt Reeves, actually, I got to go to my other notes here, he talked about the Gotham PD show uh, as he is writing that show along with Terrence Winter, which is absolutely fantastic. I love him. He talked about how the Gotham PD is a corrupt PD and that the Gotham PD TV show will be back in year one and that you will start to you'll start to see stories about cops as the Batman myth starts to come to light in that show. So I wonder if Commissioner Loeb here uh, will be in that uh, Gotham PD TV show. But I'm glad that it is set within this universe because it, and it looks like Commissioner Loeb will definitely be a bit closer to the power-hungry chief that was introduced in Frank Miller's Batman Year One, which lends itself to Gotham PD being in Year One. So we do get a look at the new Batcave, which is pretty much the most minimal Batcave you can have. Uh, In fact, it looks a lot more like a garage than a secret underground science lab slash high-tech surveillance station. You know, it it even looks like this version of Bruce spends more time working on his Batmobile than on his computer-piecing mysteries together. I mean, can, can you even call that a bat computer? I mean, it's like a bench with a dual monitor PC setup. It's like the same setup you've got in your room there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can, can you really call that a, a bat computer? I don't know. Does it even get Wi-Fi down there? I, I don't know, but you, know, you, you move on. <laughs> you, you move on to uh, Bruce at a funeral for someone um I don't know what this has to do anything. Uh, they they haven't revealed a lot about that. A car does come crashing uh, through the church. So inside, there seems to be a man with a bomb and a letter for Batman strapped to his chest after he goes through the church. And then we go there where, you know, Bruce was in there and he had to, you know, he saved someone, got him out of the way. So does the Riddler know that Batman is there? Does he, he, he obviously knows that Batman's Bruce Wayne. Because he talks about, you know, you're part of this story and all. I, I'm pretty sure Riddler knows who Batman is. I mean, it, it would only make sense. I don't think it would make much sense if he didn't know. Because I think he's going to bring up Batman's family's corruption. And that's how Batman's going to find out his family was corrupted. I'm sold on that. But I wonder if the Riddler knows that he's there or if he is trying to lure him there. Either way, we, we do get our best look at Pattinson as Bruce here. And like I said... it. I'm not sure about this. Uh, You know, it's definitely not the slicked back billionaire Bruce Wayne. Instead, it's more of like an emo slick. Uh, It it does fit the mood of the trailer, though. I'll say that. 
if you go back to Batman Begins when uh, Bruce comes back for uh, Joe Chill's uh, trial, he has almost the same haircut, a uh, little front part. And That's true. This, this is early on in his career. It's young. It's not. He's not the billionaire uh, playboy. He's still trying to recover from trauma from everything, and he's just gonna try and work his way through this. And eventually, he'll probably still be dark, but not quite as dark. And I don't know if he'll buy any hotels or anything. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. So then, then we move on to Zoe Kravitz, Selena Kyle here. And it, the, the trailer shows us a brief snippet of Selena taking on Batman which suge- suggests that the characters will be at odds in the movie. Because remember, Reeves did say that she hasn't quite morphed into Catwoman yet. So it seems like she's just a, you know, a, a thief here. Yeah, She's definitely breaking into a bank vault, and we've seen all that before. But this could be the start of the love-hate relationship that we've seen in the past. So this should be interesting. I, l- I like how, uh, unlike in uh, Dark Knight Rises, how she has those high-tech goggles and all that that turns her that flip up and turn into the ears this that she just has uh, a hat on that goes over her face and then you see her eyes and she just happens to have those tiny little ears poking up but she doesn't have these goggles that look like they have x-ray vision or anything or something like that she just has the your usual gear that a thief would have the little drill with right uh, and scope on it so she can see what she's doing. Right. Now, get this. I did not know this until after I'd read a breakdown of the trailer. The bigger guy that's standing in the rain, and I believe this, I believe it's the same person who's in the car that you, when you see the Batmobile crash through that kind of side barrier, and then he goes, whoa, this guy's crazy, or whatever it was he said. Colin Farrell. That's Colin Farrell's incredible transformation into Oswald yeah. Cobblepot. And remember, Reeves did say that in this movie, you know, Cobblepot is still working his way up the crime ladder. He is not yet the powerful crime lord known as the Penguin, but it does seem like he causes plenty of havoc for Batman nonetheless. Now, let's get to the best part of this whole trailer. The Bat beatdown. The beatdown that everybody's talking about. This gave me vibes. This gave me absolute vibes of my all-time favorite Batman scene of Ben Affleck's Batman beating the shit out of those guys in the warehouse in BVS. But this was, this seemed even more intense. And the way that he just beats into him as he's already on the ground just shows you how much struggle is going on in this Batman's mind and how deeply dark he is. I mean, he beats the shit out of this guy. <laughs> just beats yeah, the shit out of uh, him. Yeah, that, and then all those uh, gang members or whatever they are. They pan to them. You just look. They all just got a look of, oh, my God, what's happening? The one guy even looks like he might be starting to about to cry or something. But I am seeing there is a guy that's recording it on his phone. <laughs> yeah. Who, well, who are these white face guys who I mean, my initial reaction was that maybe they were doing the Jokers where who are, you know, the Joker worshiping gang that was introduced in Batman Beyond. What if these guys are actually inspired by Arthur Fleck's actions in the 70s movie. And this is in the same universe. And maybe we do get a different Joker later on. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's the case. But that that could be. I don't know what else these guys would be other than maybe 
you know, some kind of deep pull from DC Comics or maybe, you know, their their own gang that Matt Reeves has created himself. I don't know. But we do know at the end of the Joker, Arthur has a cult following. So yeah. I think that would be a cool connection. But they have said that both of them, you know, both the Batman and Joker exist in their own universes. So I don't know. But I would not be surprised at all if the studio was all of a sudden anxious to tie them together and they just haven't said anything about it yet. That That would not surprise me. Would not surprise me a bit. All right, we get a little bit of Batman's grappling gun and him hooking onto a ceiling and flying up, you know, through the staircases. Another little Nolan nod, it seems. Uh, the Batmobile. How do you feel about the Batmobile? I think it looks pretty cool. Actually, going back to that beatdown scene real quick, do you think that he actually says, I'm vengeance there? Or do you think when they go into the actual movie that he's actually going to say, I'm Batman? I don't think he is going to say I'm Batman. I don't think he's going to do that because, you know, you have that in the previous movies, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman and the Dark Knight Batman. And Matt Reeves wants this to be different from them. So I, I actually don't think I think he really does say that uh, they they could change it. Obviously, they could yeah, definitely change it. I, I don't know if it's just the fact that, like, it's only 30 percent of the movie done and they're still working on audio for everything that's possible his uh his mouth almost doesn't look like it says vengeance because his mouth is still moving a little bit after he says vengeance and you can still see his mouth move just a couple more times you know i kind of picked up on that too and that could just be the fact that only 25 30 percent of it's yeah. done but you could the I, I was because when I watched the trailer, I was shocked that he said vengeance. That that kind of took me by surprise, and I wasn't sure how I felt about it. Now, ever since I've watched it since, I think it makes a lot of sense because they ask him who he is, and he's basically telling them, "I'm your I'm your vengeance, dudes. I'm gonna fuck you all up." You know, <laughs> that's kind of what he's yeah. saying here. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know since he wants it to be different. But that is a classic Batman line, right? I am glad that they're just going with the deep voice and they're not changing it at all. I hope they stick yeah. with that because, man, that was that was one hell of a joke from the Nolan series. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, finally, after the Batmobile, we do get a look at a Batman without a mask, and he's got the raccoon makeup, as you said. Uh, he he does. He looks beaten down. He looks soot covered. He just looks like a man who looks more troubled than any other Bruce we've ever seen before. Which I think is great. I think it's great. I think Pattinson's Bruce almost looks like he's inspired, more inspired by the Crow than any of the Batman that came before him. Yeah. Yeah. As I was, I was about to say, he looks almost like the Crow mixed with Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap this trailer up there and the Batman panel. I am going to, uh, I haven't got a new rating system yet, so I'm still going with Jedi, Jar Jar, and Padawan. I am going to Jedi this trailer. Uh, I, I, oh, definitely. I, it answered a lot of things for me. It got me extremely excited. It looks like it's a totally different type of Batman film, which is hard to do because a lot of Batman stuff's already been done. But this, this Bruce Wayne is definitely way different than we've ever seen before. And I'm excited to see what Reeves and Pattison can really bring to the table here. And so I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to Jedi the hell out of that panel. I think, uh, I don't think it was the best panel of the night. I, I think it's right up there. I said earlier, my three favorite panels were the Suicide Squad movie panel, the Justice League Snyder Cut panel, and the Batman panel. Yeah, that Snyder Cut panel, man, how amazing was that? Yeah, the line that uh, 
Affleck says at the end is just awesome. Yeah. Not us, not us united. Oh, uh, yeah, and that gave me chills. And I was talking about how just that little subtle add-on to the end there changed the scene entirely. Yeah. Did you talk about how the song that he chose for the uh, trailer was perfect? No, I didn't, but it was perfect. <laughs> it was basically an FU to all the haters out there. It's like, hallelujah, it's here. Well, that too. But, you know, <laughs> that, that if I'm not mistaken, that song was mocked in the Watchmen movie. So the fact that he brought it up here is just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I, I got y'all now. And he does. Yeah. He does. Just that first shot of Dark Side. <laughs> oh, I trust me. I talked about that. Doesn't it look a lot like a Frank Miller Dark Side? Oh, yeah. With the little pinpoint yeah. red eyes and the big bulky face and yeah. Oh, my. Oh, I cannot wait for that. I cannot wait for that. Well, Kyle, I we I got to wrap this up. This episode is going way longer than any episode I ever intended, but that's okay. It's the DC fandom <laughs> extravaganza over here. Oh, yeah. I appreciate you joining for the very tail end. At least I got you in here a little bit. I appreciate it, man. It's it's more every. It's really I want to give you a big thank you for sticking with me through you know the hiatus and the show change and everything. You're a great friend. You know you sent me a lot of you cool too. stuff. You're you're just you're an awesome guy, man. I just appreciate you. Yeah, thanks. You too. All right, guys, that will be it for this DC Fandom episode. I said this earlier in the episode, but just in case you missed it, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash at popcunderground, Facebook at facebook.com slash popcunderground, and you can email at popcunderground at gmail.com. Kyle, do you have a Twitter or anything that you want people to follow you on? Nah, not really. I don't really, I really only use Twitter in that uh follow news or anything like that i don't post anything really at the moment smart man smart man (laughs) (laughs) all right guys thank you all so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode i hope you enjoyed the panel reviews and most importantly i hope you enjoyed dc fandom because man we needed it and boy did they deliver yes guys thanks for listening one more time i appreciate it and i will see you guys on the next episode later (laughs) 